When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. We're back throughout January to bring you all the latest from the transfer window. I'm Nick Keaton and joining me this morning is the Mirrors' Tom Victor uh, as we look at some of the early stories at least, Tom, from the transfer window so far. Um, one of them we're going to start this morning then with is Romelu Lukaku, a player that probably be surprised if he did move on this window, but he's not exactly done himself any favours um, over the last week or so. His comments uh, with the Italian press uh, speaking about how he's unhappy at Chelsea, how he wants to go back to Inter Milan. Um, you know, this, the suggestions that some of it may have got lost in translation, but still the, the, the kind of overriding emotion that's come from it is that he's, he's dug himself a bit of a hole um, at Chelsea. He's left out the squad for their match against Liverpool. Um, obviously, Thomas Tuchel was asked quite a lot about him post-match as well and, and kind of where he was, why he was left out, explained his reasons for it. But in, in terms of, you know, starting, starting off a new year on a strong note, I don't think he's done that too much. Uh, not especially, no. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see Tuchel leaving out after, you know, um, seeming to play down some of the comments during the week. Um, it, it felt like the ball was pretty much in Tuchel's court and he's decided, OK, I'm going to have this kind of head-to-head chat with him um, rather than, you know, giving Lukaku any extra kind of ammo by, you know, throwing him in, having seen him have a good game. I think he wants to kind of iron out all of that before... Um, before any on-pitch stuff uh, happens. But, I mean, it seems like you said, you know, there is still possibility if, if things go well that he's back in the squad for the, uh, the Carabao Cup semi. So I guess we will find out pretty quickly if there's a resolution, what the resolution is, right? Yeah, well, the, the, the one big surprise for me from all of this is that I, I can't seem to work out what he was what he was seeking to get from it. That's the strangest mm-hmm. thing is that, you know, you get players talking all the time and you get them talking to, you know, all their agents talking and and especially before a transfer window, normally it is angling to try and get a move to somewhere, try and get out or maybe even try and get a new contract. But, you know, he only joined in the summer. He's been out injured for, for a while and he's been struggling to get back to full fitness. So it's not like he's been purposely left out of this squad. You know, they're, they're trying to manage him and, and his injury issues and, and all of that. Um he is still Chelsea's main man in the tack up top when when it does come to. I, I just I, I, it, it baffles me what his his kind of modus operandi was with this whole interview and why he gave it and why he said what he said. Yeah, it, it's something like this that makes you think, like what was lost in translation here? Like what uh, what are we missing from it from uh, from the Sky Sport Italia interview? Because yeah, as you say, it's it's not your classic environment where he's going to be angling for anything new. He's got his big contract. He's got his big move. Um, he's yeah. Okay. I guess um, there may be issues with how he was kind of brought back into the team. I think there's probably a sense that with, um, with the United game at the end of November, maybe that's one where he felt he was ready to come straight back in. And it's the sort of game he thought he would be playing when he, when he moved to Chelsea, even if it was straight off the back of an injury. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you wonder if there's stuff going on in private conversations with Tuchel, if there's kind of him saying, okay, you've seen me play for Inter, you've seen how they operated, how they used me. Why aren't you doing that when you spent 97 million to, to bring me to this club? And maybe that is the heart of it. But, but at the same time, it's, it's a manager who's just won the Champions League. If Tuchel's ever going to have any leverage, it's now. You said there about the fact that uh, about the system and whether or not the system yeah. is suited to Lukaku, whether or not he's playing that way as well. And, and, and that's something I wanted to kind of come on to as well because yeah. it almost sounds like, I mean, I do have this similar argument with Pogba when United signed him and they haven't yeah. managed to find a way to get him to play. And when you do spend that money, maybe you should kind of think about it a bit more. But then equally with Lukaku, is it a sign that maybe he didn't do his research as much as perhaps he should have done? He knows how, how Thomas Tuchel have played mm. at previous clubs and how he uses his strikers and how Chelsea played in those first six months under Tuchel. He would have seen it. He would have known it. He would have had an idea of how they were going to play. And yet he seems shocked and surprised that they're not playing the way that he expected them to play and are obviously still sticking, still ticking to it. It, it just, again, it, like everything from this whole interview, it just seems a bit bizarre. Yeah, the, the Pogba... Point is, I think it's pretty instructive here. Um, yeah, it's, it's two players who have moved to a club for like record fee and might have had some expectation at that point where to think, you know, am I moving here for this much money because they want to build around me? Um, are they doing this because they think, you know, you look at you look at two calls kind of recent past, you look at the length of Lukaku's deal at Chelsea, you think, okay, he might have an expectation that he's going to outlast Tuchel even if things go well for Tuchel at Chelsea um, but yeah going back to the Pogba thing I think there is kind of a similar misconception with both of them you know they're they're both different players to how kind of they're perceived by a lot of people just because of their build just because of like how they look on the pitch you know Pogba has often been played a lot deeper than he preferred to be his passing's not utilised in the way that he might think it can be you know, compare how he's used to United to how he's used to France. Then Lukaku is someone who, you know, some managers will look at him and think, oh, this is a, a guy who's sticking in the middle. We uh, ping crosses to him. He's, he's a target. He's, that's not how he plays. He is a guy that's best attacking from out wide. We saw a bit of that kind of early Solskjaer days at United. But, you know, it's, it's something we've not really seen at Chelsea because of, I mean, we haven't really got a chance to see that Chelsea's only he's only been there a few months and some of that's been interrupted by injury, by COVID. But yeah, if he's if he's getting to the point where he sees Tuchel using him as a static forward, yeah, maybe maybe that's something that could have been brought out in conversations beforehand. I, I don't know. It's it's a hard one, but you can kind of see both sides in terms of, you know, Lukaku's goals at Chelsea and Tuchel's goals at Chelsea are maybe not the same thing, which is the, where the problem lies. Just going on to Tuchel a bit more and, and kind of the whole situation. Obviously, we saw that he left him out against Liverpool. Um, he was asked whether or not if this meeting that I think they were having this morning, so obviously we were recording yeah. this Monday morning, so I think they were having it today, uh, a meeting at least, about whether or not if that went in a satisfactory manner. I think it was the word used by the, uh, yeah, by the journalist. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it went in a satisfactory way, whether or not he'd be back in the squad for the Carabao Cup semi-final later um, this week. So we kind of have an idea in the short term how Tuchel's handled this and that he has, you know, left him out. And he spoke to, he said that he spoke to senior players as well from the squad and 
uh, and kind of almost like a similar way to um, to Aubameyang and Arsenal and Arteta speaking mm-hmm. to, to perhaps some of the older heads in the squad and, and kind of getting a lay of the land from them as well. But but long term, where this where does this go for Tickle? How does he handle this? Because you know, as we touched already, they spent so much money on him. He's on a long term contract. This isn't you know someone that we we're expecting to see leave this month uh, yeah. or, or even in the summer as well potentially yeah. you know, uh, you know, Lukaku as we touched on is going to be around at Chelsea for a while so it's, it's an interesting situation as to how Tuchel handles this we've had a look in the past at how he's dealt with certain players in similar situations yeah. before yeah. And, and that might give us a bit of insight here um, yeah I, I guess the, the main difference from the, uh, from the Aubameyang situation is you know uh, Lukaku is brought in under Tuchel's watch at Chelsea whereas you know at least Arteta has the point of view of looking at it and thinking you know this guy's coming two managers ago. Obviously, the talent is there, but it's not on me if things go badly. And, you know, if, if he's succeeding, if he's kind of hitting the expectations, which I think Arteta probably is at Arsenal at the moment, then, you know, there's there's going to be less backlash to to how he's treating Aubameyang. Um, the Tuchel one, um, the, the, the message around kind of senior players in squads an interesting one to me, just... Because, I mean, that by implication kind of suggests, okay, he's brought in a 97 striker in his late 20s at its peak and doesn't consider him anything approaching a senior player in this scenario. Um, there, there's been some comments in the past from uh, from Mourinho saying, you know, Lukaku's the kind of guy who maybe needed a bit more of an arm around him when he was coming through, who kind of had that from Martinez for Belgium, who's had that for Conte when he was at Inter. And yeah, there is a sense that this is a guy who everything he does on the pitch, he's, he is a senior player. He is a mature footballer. And there's still a sense that, okay, does he need the right conditions to bring that out of him? I guess there's a Pogba element of that as well, where, you know, he's, he's a player who the quality is obviously there, but it only comes out in the, in the right circumstances. Um, so yeah, the, the question there is, you know, Chelsea have got a manager who's won in the Champions League, who's, you know, theoretically going to be fighting for titles, even if this season is probably out of their reach. And I guess there's maybe more impetus on, like, just because it's Chelsea, because of what they've done with managers in the past, there's more impetus on him to show himself to be a title contender than Lukaku to show himself to be the kind of player who's shown himself to be at Inter already and, and done all that. Like, yeah, a, a player's past maybe kind of works in their favour more than a manager's past um, in, you know, the, the way that the Premier League is set up at the moment. And yeah, it could be the case that, as I said, you know, Lukaku waits it out a, year t- a year's time, Tuchel's no longer the manager and they're in a better situation for him specifically. And him being the 97 million man, maybe that's something that they can justify themselves. I wonder if this whole situation means as well that Chelsea might be in the market this month for for a new forward as well. I mean, we've seen it already this season when Lukaku has been out injured uh, rather than an, an almost self-imposed exile with his own words. Um, but when he's been out injured, they've, they've lacked that. I know Kai Havertz kind of filled in there and he done well, yeah. but he's not your out and out maybe sent forward that Chelsea need that's going to lead the line in the way that two popes. Um, same goes for Timo Werner as well. So you, you kind of wonder again whether or not now, maybe Tuchel was thinking about it before January, but but these comments might have kind of brought it really forward in his mm. mind that, that he does need a new striker this month and that, that Chelsea might be having to uh, to go on the lookout for one. Yeah, it's, 
it's another one where you look at look at what City have done this season, where that was the conversation kind of leading into the summer when we knew that Aguero was going to be leaving. Are they going to need to be investing in, you know, Harry Kane or whoever it was going to be over the summer? They've shown they can operate without that. Chelsea have shown sort of tail end of last season. They can they can make it work with Havertz playing in that role. So I guess you do have the kind of the alternate realities there, like Chelsea sign Lukaku is maybe what happens if City sign Kane over the summer. And they, you know, they invest heavily. They re- they feel they need to at least start the season kind of tailor their the way they're playing towards the new guy they spent a ton of money on. And then how does it work when the syst- it, it feels like the system works better without that focal point? And yeah, I'm not certain. I think for Chelsea, a lot of it's going to depend on Contracts to defenders as well, whether whether they find that, okay, it's going to be more of a priority to, to fix that situation if Rudiger's going to be going in the summer, if Christensen's still, you know, not sure over his future, are they going to think, okay, like Pulisic did all right yesterday playing through the middle, Havertz has done it. Can they operate in the, in the same way that City are doing without an orthodox central striker and just attack from different directions? And I don't think there's an obvious attacking option for them to bring in. Um, you know, especially looking at what's happened, not just Lukaku, but looking at what's happened to Werner since he came in with that kind of big profile. Are strikers of that kind of profile going to want to go to Chelsea when there's that uncertainty? Sticking with forwards, uh, but moving a bit north up the country, uh, Anthony Martial is one striker who looks to be on his way out of the Premier League. Uh, looks to be swapping Man United for Sevilla, potentially on loan. Uh, whether or not there's going to be an option to buy it depends on what paper and what publication you read as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like his time is up at uh, Old Trafford. Um, it's not so much of a surprise, really. He's not. He had that great period under Solskjaer in, in, in that COVID-affected yeah. 1920 season when he came back and he was smashing it. But ever since then, it's, he really, really seems to have gone off the boil completely. He's not, you know, forced his way back into the starting eleven. Even with Ralph Rangnick playing with two strikers up top, he still can't mm-hmm. seem to, to have got his way back into the team and, and had a look in there. So I suppose for him and, and for Man United, this is a deal that, that really makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, we've we've almost seen this with, with Rangnick coming in and with all the talk of what's going to happen in January, it's kind of been seen as a given. It's like, okay, are they going to work to keep Cavani? Let's not even discuss Martial. He's gone. It is how it seems to have come across in in a lot of what's out there at the moment. And I mean, it makes sense from the point of view of, you know, Martial's got time in his contract. He's saleable as well. But yeah, I think United have kind of moved past the need for him. I think Greenwood coming through to the weight to the level that he has has meant they don't have to worry that much as well. And yeah, it, it just makes sense for them. Um they're they don't look like they're gonna miss him when he goes and it's a shame, but you know, this this has happened with strikers in the Premier League. It's I, I don't think it's gonna be a huge loss to United. Do you think that, you know, you kind of flash back to when he had his debut and he had that great performance yeah. against Liverpool, um, scoring a couple of goals, but way to announce yourself to your new fans, you know, scoring in that game and scoring twice. Um, but the issue that he's had since then, and yes, we've seen flashes of brilliance, but he's flitted between being a winger and being a striker and back again and back and forth. He's never really had that that kind of nailed down position in that Man United 
squad and maybe that's kind of hindered him and his development in becoming a, a first team regular for them in that he didn't really know what he was and, and managers that were looking after him never really knew what he was either. Yeah, I think if you look back to um, to when Mourinho came in in 2016, I know you don't want to read too much of the kind of like optics of things like this, but when he lost the, the nine shirt to Ibrahimovic, it did feel like that dented him a bit. It kind of uh, halted a bit of the progress. Um, and then, it, you know, the perception of someone as a nine when they're wearing a nine in their shirt, is it's not nothing. Um, especially like his own kind of perception of his own game. Um, and obviously we saw him fall off quite a bit that season before he sort of gradually built back up to, to where he is. Um, but yeah, no, it, I feel like distinctions between kind of straightforward strikers and wide forwards doesn't have to be the be all end all. You know, you, you've seen this with, you know, with, with how people view Salah at Liverpool. He's a guy who's ostensibly a striker who just plays from out wide. And there's there's no reason why Marshall couldn't have been there. There's no reason why he couldn't have done essentially what what we've seen Memphis do, uh, Leon and Barcelona, and, you know, let how he plays define him rather than um, anything more concrete than that. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think you just got to look at, at what's happened on the pitch with him rather than, you know, something which can be overcome if you're doing well and scoring goals. Touching it briefly already, but as we expect Anthony Martial to head out the exit door, it looks like Edison Cavani may potentially follow him uh, in leaving Old Trafford. I think there was, um, after their game uh, last week against Burnley, there was a suggestion that he was waving goodbye to the Stratford end. Um, has been linked with, uh, you know, even back in the summer, he's been linked with a return to South America, I think, wasn't it? And, and homesickness yeah. potentially playing a part in that. Those rumours haven't gone away since, um, but it seems as well that he's been linked with potentially moved to Barcelona as well, given that their struggles up front um, yeah. with, <laughs> with Luke de Jong and, and him not really finding the net, but that shouldn't be too much of a surprise for anyone that remembers him from the Premier League. <laughs> um, but it's, it, you said it there, you know, it seems that United's priorities are Martial's gone, but Cavani is yeah. one that they kind of really need to keep hold of. And, and that's kind of something that you expect him to work hard on this month, trying to persuade him that his future does lie at least for the next six months at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think this is one where what's best for the club and what's best for the player are not necessarily the same thing. I mean, we've, we've seen from him this season, like United look a better team when he's there. Um, I think the Spurs game around Halloween was like a great example of that where, you know, he's he's always shown that kind of hunger. Even when he's had a few games out of the team, he's come on, he's got his 20, 30 minutes here and there. And I think that's something that people didn't necessarily expect when he signed from from PSG to begin with. Like they were wondering, okay, just a guy who's just kind of winding down, but no, like he's got the World Cup in his sights. Uruguay haven't made it yet. Um, he needs to be playing regularly, he needs to be fresh in order to actually fire them through there. I think they're a point or two off qualification at the moment. And I mean, the one thing that United might point to is the fact that when he's come in for these cameos, he's he's looked as sharp as ever. So why can't he carry on doing that? But He's someone who wants to be playing regular football, not just for helping Uruguay get there, but for, you know, it's going to be his last World Cup, you imagine. So he wants to be the best he can be. He wants to be as fresh as he can be for that. And that's not going to happen if you're not getting two or three games starting in a row, which by the looks of it is is still the situation, even with Ranjit coming in at United. He's, he's still one of the strikers rather than one of the starting strikers. And... Yeah. 
Staying um, with the World Cup, though, uh, this is a perfect segue here. Trust me, stick with me on it. Um, one man who will be looking to enhance his chances of going to Qatar 2022 with a Premier League return is Kieran Trippier. I told you, stick with yep. him. It was worth it. Yeah, very good. Um, looks, <laughs> um, looks to be on his way to Newcastle, the first signing of their um, of the new era and the new owners for Newcastle. Um, I suppose looking at how they've they've been so far under Eddie Howe and how they were previously against uh, uh, under Steve Bruce, defensive reinforcements might be exactly what they need at this moment mm-hmm. in time. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, um, you know, Trippier on his own probably won't be enough, but I think it's, it's obviously it's a good starting point for them. Their, their defensive record this season, you know, even under someone like Steve Bruce, who was in theory meant to be a more solidly defensive manager than Eddie Howe, at least, you know, you looked at, Look at what Howe's done in the Premier League when he was at Bournemouth. It was, you know, a team that um, did as well as it did because of what they had all throughout the team, rather than, the, you know, rather than kind of shutting teams out. Apparently, you know, they they relied a lot on the likes of Callum Wilson when, and Ryan Fraser when he was kind of at his peak for them. Um, and yeah, I think it, it is how kind of adapting to the situation he's got in front of him. Um, Trippier, I, I believe, he, how was the guy that signed him for for Burnley to begin with in 2011 as well? And you know, there, there's clearly a bit of history there, a bit of recognition that you know, for all that he's he had that kind of poor final season at Spurs, he's built back up in Spain. He's a title winner there. He's you know at a point where you know you're not often going to get a chance to bring a title winning defender straight to a team that's fighting relegation. And yeah, it's it's one of those where it makes sense to them. And if he's willing, to, if if he wants to kind of come back to England, and you know, suggestions of homesickness, suggestions of wanting to be a bit closer to his family, then it makes sense to him as well. And yeah, I think it's it's a good move all around. There was also talk of the weekend uh, over potentially uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang going up to Newcastle as well. Uh, obviously, frozen out at Arsenal doesn't look like he's got any uh, future there whatsoever. There are. Other clubs circling, I think I saw Barcelona as well, but you know, I think any yeah. striker who's currently out of favour anyway yeah. is going to be linked there. Um, but in terms of Aubameyang and what we've seen from him as a leader at Arsenal mm. and, and with the captaincy and, and kind of what we know of his personality, and as we've said there, Newcastle in a relegation fight, a relegation mm. dogfight, do you think that he has the right mentality for that battle at Newcastle or should they potentially be looking at maybe other players? Like, yes, his quality is undoubted, but... Mm you kind of wonder when the going gets tough if he really is going to get going. Yeah, it, it's a tricky one because, you know, Newcastle uh, are not exactly in a strong position for negotiation despite the money they have on offer. And it's it's weighing up, do they get in someone who has the most quality that that is available to them or do they, uh, do they look elsewhere? And, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking back to... Um, to Hull when Marco Silva was there, when they went kind of the opposite way to how you'd expect teams to battle relegation. They brought in players who had the quality, but were, they had question marks, guys like Markovic and Nias and Renokia and almost worked for them. Um, I think they were probably further away from safety than the Newcastle are now. So the margins might be smaller. It might be the case that, okay, you've got only sort of, a couple of wins away from safety. He's the guy that can get you those couple of wins if he does still have the quality as well as, um, you know, as well as the other question marks. The, the issue is, 
it's not the the off field stuff with Arsenal. It's whether you know his decline this season is something that's going to continue. You know, he had he had the long run without a goal before that. I think his last goal was the rebound from his penalty against Villa. And yeah, it's not a guy who is the prolific scorer he was when he joined Arsenal, or like that. You know, the, the half season under Wenger and then the start under Emery. This is a guy who you can see the downturn, and it's we're talking about a trade off between quality and uh, and and kind of off field stuff. But is, is the quality enough to balance it out? Is is more a question than should we look past stuff? I think it's yeah. Can they actually find someone who's going to be better in front of goal in this setup? I think I think this is going to be a month that's going to see a lot a lot of names linked with Newcastle I mean even before we cracked sure, into yeah. the transfer window there was, there was plenty um, but Tom uh, that just about wraps it up for this morning and this episode um, thank you so much for joining us as we took a little look at the, the opening of the transfer window I'm sure there's going to be plenty more names and plenty more stories to come uh, as we continue this show throughout the month of January of course you can keep up to date with all the latest transfer news across the Daily Mirror Daily Express Daily Star as well as all of Reach's national and regional titles uh, but for now it's goodbye <laughs>